BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hello, my loves. Welcome back to the Balanced Mon podcast, Soul on Fire. I'm your host, Jordan Younger. And today we're talking to the amazing Sophie Jaffe. If you're not familiar with Sophie, then you're going to fall in love with her in this episode. I have a feeling that a lot of people here are already fans of Sophie. But if you're just learning about her, she's phenomenal. She is a spiritual teacher. She is a blogger, podcaster, mother owner of many businesses, one of them being her superfood business philosophy. Most importantly, at least in this conversation, Sophie is a dear, dear friend of mine. We've known each other since the very beginning of both of our blogging journeys. And she is one of those people who I always consider like a soul sister in my life, a dear friend, someone who I appreciate so much in many ways because we don't have to see each other all the time or even talk all the time to know that we are there for each other and we always show up for each other. We have hosted more events together than I can count and our lives just overlap in the most beautiful and synchronistic ways, which we talk about in this episode. So I won't give any spoiler alerts, even though I want to, um, but I'm not going to because we'll talk about it in the episode. This episode, we go deep on radical transparency, which is something that Sophie teaches about. It's a big part of her life and her brand. We talk about family. We talk about intuition. And I love Sophie's take on intuition. I find it very unique. And as a friend, she's taught me so much. And I'm excited to share her perspective with you guys. Her and her husband are all about breaking through barriers and labels and basically just like living your best damn life and having no apologies for doing that. And why don't we all just live that way? So Sophie is a great teacher on that level and on that note. And she has three beautiful children. Um, did I mention Sophie was the third guest of my podcast ever all the way back in 2016. So if you want more of her background story, even though we, we talk a lot about her childhood in this episode, um, but if you want more of like her relationship story, which she touches on in this episode and cheating and things that her and her husband have overcome, I believe we talked about that on that episode, episode number three, just don't judge me when it comes to the audio quality because I was brand new, wasn't an audio engineer, still not an audio engineer, but I have the right team in place. And um, we talk about a lot of things in this episode, things that I didn't think I would ever talk about publicly, things that Sophie has never talked about publicly. And we were just on my couch chit-chatting and it was phenomenal. Oh, hi, Hudson. 
Hi, honey. My little baby just walked into the room. My baby, kitty boy. Yeah, so Sophie is an inspiration. I know she will inspire you. And we love, Jonathan and I love Sophie and Adi, her husband. We um, cherish their friendship. And as always, I love to share conversations with you guys, real conversations, spontaneous conversations. We talk about filters on Instagram. We have so many opinions on so many things. And so here we go. You will love the episode. Love the Soph Soph. And I can't wait for you to dive in. Before we dive into the episode, a couple things I want to remind you. Number one, if you feel inspired to rate and review the podcast on iTunes, I have a free gift to send you, which is my yoga ebook. So just email me your rating and review, and I will send over that free gift as a thank you. Number two, I am hosting something extremely exciting, which is a live version of my course, Waking Back Up to Your Soul. It starts on August 24th and um, you have two more days to sign up. This came to me in a meditation. It was like fully channeled, got to do this, got to do it together with the group. I need to redo um, the course and talk to my ancestors, talk to my body, all the things that take place in this course. There's a lot of channeling involved. So we will leave the link in the show notes where you can learn more about it and where you can sign up. This is not an opportunity to miss, you guys. You'll get three live calls with me and it's just extremely special and it's going to be a lot of fun. And lastly, thank you to our sponsor for today's episode, Four Sigmatic. I have so many favorites when it comes to Four Sigmatic. I am a fan, sucker for obsessed with mushroom coffee. So Four Sigmatic is mushroom coffee. They also have adaptogens. They also have beauty. They also have protein. Um, They're completely TBB approved in every single way. They are vegan. They are organic. They're super low sugar. They also have products that have no sugar. They're third-party tested and they're full of adaptogens. So adaptogens work with your body to bring you back to homeostasis. So if you need to feel more alert or if you need to feel more calm or if you need to feel more energized or if you're looking to replace your morning coffee, go no further then Four Sigmatic. We've also had the founder of Four Sigmatic on the podcast, Taro. He's amazing. He grew up foraging mushrooms. Like the integrity of this company is insane. You can use the code BLONDE for 15% off. That's B-L-O-N-D-E. You can also go to foursigmatic.com slash blonde to check out all of their products and then some I love the chaga. I've been drinking chaga um, for like, oh gosh, four and a half years now from Four Sigmatic. I mix it with my coffee, a little bit of cinnamon, a little bit of stevia. They have ground coffee. If you're not a caffeine person, that's totally fine. They have caffeine-free options. And my loves, you are going to fall in love. You are going to be mind blown with all things Four Sigmatic. Jonathan right now is absolutely loving the adaptogen coffee. They also have adaptogen immune support. So everybody who is struggling with immunity right now with everything going on in the world, um, keep your eye on all of their immunity products. 
If you like cacao, they have mushroom hot chocolate. They have just a straight mushroom chocolate now, which is amazing. So I'm a huge fan. Check it out. Fall in love. Tag me on Instagram when you try Four Sigmatic and be sure to use that code BLONDE. And then you can also learn all about mushrooms on their site. So if you're listening and you're like, Jordan, what is mushroom coffee? I don't get it. I don't know why I would want this. Then just know you're about to fall in love with something called mushroom coffee and it has adaptogens and it's functional and it works so well in the body and it tastes good and all the things. So foursigmatic.com slash blonde. And now without further chit chat, let's head into this episode with my dear friend, Sophie Jaffe. Okay, Sophie, you're back. I'm back. It Thanks is for having me. Amazing to have you back yeah. on. You're my third guest <laughs> in 2016. I was single. I was living in basically my little studio, and life has changed so much it since has. then. It's so exciting to have you back on. We've been friends since my New York days. Yes, since 2014. And Kai was like a baby. Yeah, I mean, Leo was born, but Kai was still so little. Mm -hmm. And our lives have just evolved evolved so much. You have three kids now. You have a podcast. You have thriving businesses. Mm -hmm. And I'm so proud of you. And so happy that you're here. So proud of you. Honored to be here. Yeah, honored to be here. I, I had no idea it was the third podcast. I know. Third. It was <laughs> I knew it was the beginning. So I didn't realize it was- my first episode was with Brandon Cohen. Yeah. Then my mom. And then, then you. And I would record it and release it like the next day. <laughs> I was like, just come over. I actually need to release it tomorrow. And then I tried to edit it myself. So if anybody goes back and listens, the sound quality was insane. Oh my God. And I love and it. Here we are now. I think that is something that definitely has always united us. And we are so similar in that way that we have an idea, we put it out there. We have totally. an idea, we put it out there. There's, it doesn't have to be perfect. And I really admire that in you. And it reminds me that I'm the same way. Like, it's life is too short to wait for things to be perfect. A, nothing's ever perfect. Exactly. B, life is too short. Just put the information out there because you're just putting your heart into the world and you can't learn if you don't try. Exactly. And that goes back to our human design. Mm-hmm. You're a generator. Mm-hmm. I'm a reflector. So I don't know where I get that, like with the reflector energy, but you're a generator. You mm-hmm. just like power on through and you just turn your ideas into reality. It's yep. so powerful. Yeah, it really is. So let's start from the beginning for mm-hmm. anybody who didn't listen to our first episode and or maybe just learning about you. Mm-hmm. Although I'm sure there's a lot of Sophie fans here mm-hmm. listening. Where are you from? What was your childhood like? Start from there. Yeah. I had a very... um lovely and chaotic childhood. So I grew up in DC. I was born at a home birth. My mom had me at home in DC with a midwife. My dad was there. My grandpa was there. My dad caught me. Um, That's cute. And it was like in the afternoon, like four, two, 2.43 in the afternoon. And yeah, just born in our home. No complications. Lovely. I'm a Taurus. I'm um, Taurus moon. Taurus sun, Virgo rising. You're so all earth. All earth. That 
kind of shocks me really? for some reason. I mean, you're very grounded. Yeah. Like when I'm around you, I feel like I can breathe yeah. because you just, you have that grounding, like mothering presence. Yeah. Well, also but Libra, Taurus are very like complimentary. Totally. But also you're so fiery. And like I have some really Aries. get stuff done. So I have Aries in my chart and at least two planets, maybe three, including communication. Like I definitely have that Aries fire beneath me. Right. So, and that's what you feel. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And so born, my mom and dad were together at the time. My brother was born two years later. He had the opposite birth, emergency C-section. Um, my parents were not doing well, just like really interesting to look at that. And I know we're not going to talk about birth necessarily till later when maybe you're thinking of having a baby. Yes. We could we were talking about, we had a lot of requests for birth story and I'd love to share my birth stories, but I feel like it would be even more relevant when you're kind of oh, definitely. in that prepping I'll be period. Soaking up the And info. even if you're not pregnant yet, but just like I'm thinking about these ideas, I think that would being inside of that feeling is really a lot of what manifestation is for me, is like mm-hmm. just soaking it all up. So we can get deep into that later. Fun. But I do think that the way you're born matters and it doesn't have to just like astrology doesn't have to define you. It's just a another characteristic and personality aspect of who you become. Totally. So I think the fact that I had such an easy transition earth side helped me to be who I am. We moved around. My parents divorced when I was six. And from that moment on, I was basically, it felt like on the road with my mom and my brother. My de- dad stayed in DC, eventually remarried and someone who lived out in LA. My mom and my brother and I just drove around city to city. My mom would um, pack us up, go to the next place. She was kind of on a quest and a search, but also has some borderline tendencies. So in that respect, it's kind of like psychologically, everyone else is wrong and it's very black and white. So it's like, I love this place. We're going to go here. And then I hate this place. We got to go. I love my new job. They all love me and honor me as like the queen I am. Oh, I got to go because they're awful and treat me like crap. So it's like very black. And so it was uh-huh. always like, get up and go, get up and go. And I had to create new friends. I had to be really resilient. And I really had to figure out who I was and find that feeling of home within me because that was moving around constantly. So when I look back at my childhood, I only think about how positive it was, how loved I was. I had amazing experiences, but a lot of that is because of who I decided to be and the way that I chose to see the divorce, the way I chose to see these new experiences and meeting new friends. Like, yes, I was sad, but I'd also be like, okay, I get to meet new people. Okay. I get to see somewhere new. Whereas my brother, everything was the opposite. So where I would like find the beauty, he would find the sadness and he was sick all the time. He developed all sorts of like, you know, just reasons to be reasons to hate my dad, to feel abandoned. You know, we had the same childhood, right? Like for the most part, less than two years apart, just like very similar childhoods. But what was different was who we are as people. And the way we chose to see our circumstances, the cho- our perspective. Yeah. And to this day, it's still like that with us. He sees things very differently, has had a very, he has had a life full of struggle. Whereas for me, even though I've had a lot of challenges, I f- see my life as a really beautiful thing. So yeah, I mean, that's in a nutshell, moved around a lot, had to keep re-examining, re-figuring out who I was. My mom remarried when I was in sixth grade. 
And I kind of got this like dream fun life of living Brady Bunch style because my mom's new husband had two kids and the daughter was my age. Oh, that's so fun. We were in the same grade. And then he had a little boy. So it was four kids all of a sudden instead of two, you know, right in the prime of like soccer practice and cheerleading and high school and middle school and all of that fun stuff, sleepover parties. And so we had a really fun long period for like four years. And then my mom left him. And um, I, at that point was just kind of done. It was senior year of high school and I just couldn't live with her anymore. I think as a child, you don't really see your mom as anything other than this beautiful spirit. And for me, she was my only stability moving from place to place. Never mind that she was the reason that we were unstable. But to me, I looked up to her for comfort even when she wasn't there, it was like, okay, well, my mom is, are these things. But as I got older, I realized that she was actually the source of a lot of the, the conflict and the pain. So I left midway through my senior year. We had a huge fight and I moved into my own apartment. I had my dad start sending me the child support money oh, wow. directly to my new apartment. I lived with two older girls that were like three years older. And I went to college at a local, it's called Shepherd University in Shepherdstown, West Virginia. And I just started, I took 21 credits. I had to get special. I was working three jobs. Like that's just like the, the life I chose was like one of hard working from the beginning. Right. You know, like it's just always been that way. I always wanted to work hard because on the other side of that working hard was something beautiful. And I think that that kind of comes into play in my relationships and in in everything I do. Mm -hmm. Wow. So that's definitely affected you in your life. I mean, moving forward forever. And you're such a hard worker. I see that in you all the time. I admire it in you so much. You have three kids, you have multiple businesses, you're always working so hard, but your perspective is always so beautiful. Mm. And so that goes back to what you said in your childhood, how you chose to have that outlook. Yeah. And it's interesting. And, and it is a choice. Right. It's, it's a totally choice. a choice. And I see it all the time mm. with my siblings and there being four of us. And like, we did have very different childhoods because we're so spread apart. But, you know, some of us had similar childhoods yeah. and there's just a very different outlook and, totally. and perception of our parents. And it's wild. And it's interesting. Like I don't, I'm not in a healthy place with my brother right now. So we don't get to go deep. Like once he's in a place where he's really grounded and grown up and making adult decisions and really being responsible, then we can sit down and have these conversations. But I have them with my older sister, who's nine years older. We share right. the same mom. We have different dads. And it is so fascinating to have these conversations about the way we remember things. Even though she moved out when I was little, she would pop in and out. And like my perspective of her coming into our world, what did that feel like? Her perspective as an older, you know, early twenties coming into our world, what did that look like? Oh, well, here's what really was going on. You were a child. So you didn't understand that mom did X, Y, and Z. Like it's so fascinating. Now I'm 36 years old. My sister's 40, whatever, 45. We get to have these conversations as two full fully grown whole adults and evaluate it and not be right. Not be like, this is the way it was. Instead, this was my perspective. And, oh, did you know that this was happening behind the scenes? No, I had no idea. Right. That's really cool. It's really beautiful. So I I look forward to hopefully one day having those conversations with my brother. But, you know, in the meantime, I will continue to try and work hard while still balancing 
celebrating the beauties of life, you know, not just, I I don't work, I don't live to work. I work to live, right? Totally, totally, totally. Same. Yeah. And that's such a good way to live. Yeah. And I feel like, I mean, I was a workaholic in my life and was like living to work. Did you ever have that experience before you switched over to this perspective? Yeah. I think with anything, just like food, like we have a lot of similarities with food stuff. And back in my twenties, I working out food, it was all excessive, right? Work at a certain point, I was a workaholic because I'm like, oh, if I work harder, then I don't know, I'll be more successful. I don't know what it was, but it's like, I should be doing this, fill in the blank. And in my twenties, it was like, I excessively worked out. I excessively like controlled my eating and controlled the things that were going in my body. And I think it's the same kind of thing where you have to go like from one end of the spectrum to the other and let the pendulum swing Mm -hmm. to find that middle ground. For sure. So same with work. I've had periods of my life where I've been bored to death and I, you know, go away for two months to Thailand alone. I'm just like, okay, I could do something now. Mm -hmm. And then I've had the other pendulum swing of like being overly just so taxed that I want to cry all day because I've just got too much on my plate. And now I feel like I'm finding a middle ground. I'm also still really young. So to me, I'm like, this is the time to work and get ideas out and to right, grow right. and to expand, to build my empire. And then, you know, when it feels right. And I already, I mean, if I really broke down how many hours I quote work and the way that I work, even at 36, I think that this is such a beautiful way. Like, I don't feel like I'm taxed. I feel like I found a great balance considering I have so many businesses and children and things going on. I don't, I feel like I have a great balance going on right now and it'll only get better. I totally feel that. I love that. Yeah. So with food, a lot of people wanted to know your perspective on intuitive eating and the way that you eat and kind of the experience that you've had with what you said before, the extreme end of the spectrum and now this beautiful intuition that you have when it comes to food and everything else in your life. Yeah. I, and I, I, I just want to say, first of all, like congratulations wherever you are on your journey, because it's hard to be a human. So hard to be a human. In a human body. And when it comes to food and it comes to it's 201, by the way. Sorry, sorry to interrupt you. It's 201. Of course it is. Of, of course. course it's 201. So he knows all about my number. Oh, yeah. I think when it comes to intuitive eating, it's the point here is getting clear on your intuition. So you can't become someone who intuitively moves, intuitively lives, intuitively parents, intuitively eats if you aren't intuitive. So the very first step in intuitive eating is getting clear on that intuitive voice within you. And that can look different for everyone. This is where the, the practice of self-discovery comes in and really discovering what is it that makes me find that inner voice. For me, when I was in my mid-20s or early 20s, it was traveling alone. It was going off to a foreign country and getting really lost and then finding myself again. And by getting lost, whether it be in a foreign country or whether it be, you know, getting on my bike right here in Brentwood and, and having no plan and just being free and then finding myself through that journey. That's what intuition is, is getting lost and then finding yourself again and again and again. And then once you do it a few times in that capacity, like traveling the world or getting lost on a bike ride and letting your intuition guide you, then you can make choices from that place. You can make the choices to, you know, as 
you're on that bike ride, maybe you see a fruit stand, um, you know, down the street and you're like, oh, I actually haven't eaten today. That mango looks amazing. Okay. Let me follow that pulse and let me follow that. And then I eat the mango and then I see the way it feels after 30 minutes. And then I go further on my bike ride and then I have nowhere that I think I should be going. I'm just going to follow the signs. So as I'm on that bike ride, I'm just going to go down the street and then I see a 201 and that's my magic number. So I'm going to go there. Oh, it's a massage bar. I'm going to go get a massage. You go get a massage. So you just like, these are ways that has worked for me are to get lost, to find myself. I'll go in any country that I've traveled to. The first thing I do is I put my running shoes on and I go for a run or I go for a walk and I get lost. And guess what? I'm going to get found, you know, like getting lost. Like, no, I don't know French, but running around the streets of Paris will teach me so much about myself and the decisions I make. And and that's part of the journey and the fun is like trying in your broken French to ask someone, how do I get to this place? Or where is that cafe? Or what do you think about this? And I lost my map. Do you know where I can get one? Like, that is what the search of life, that quest and that feeling of wanting to search and be found again, that's what it's all about. Wow. I just learned a lot from what you just said mm-hmm. because that's so true. Mm-hmm. And I'm realizing as you're speaking and maybe other people feel this way, I don't do that. Like mm-hmm. I go on vacation and I'm like, God forbid I get lost. I need my Google Maps in my wow. hand. Need to have the control. Yeah. Like, yeah. I like to go pl- back to places that I've been. Yep. Like when I'm Comfort. in Bali or something, like I need to go to the restaurants that I know that I love. I don't want to get lost. I'm scared. And so that shows me something about myself yeah. because that actually sounds fun, what you're talking and about. And maybe it sounds scary to someone that's well, it listening. Sounds scary it sounds and scary fun. and fun. Exactly. So let's start from a place where it sounds scary. Right. If it's scary to go get lost in a foreign country, you're not alone. Right. I was scared, but I just have built up a tolerance, right? So start back up from there. Get lost in your city. Go on a bike ride in your own city where you really do know what you're doing and put your phone on airplane mode so it's there if you need it. Right. Like I'm at the point now where I want to leave my phone at home and get lost because I want to actually be lost, you know? Yeah. But that takes time to build up just like anything else. Right. And then the amount of things you can learn, it's like a case study of your own intuition, your own breath all day long. You get to see the way you respond and react to fears, to frustrations, your tire goes flat on the bike. Like things Mm -hmm. that happen get to teach you about yourself. And yes, you asked about food, but you can't become an intuitive eater until you become intuitive. And you can't become intuitive without letting yourself fall, letting yourself fail, letting yourself get lost. Because in that is intuition. Right. And letting go of control. I love that that was a question about food and you didn't speak about food at all. So I want to leave it at that and not even talk about food. Yeah, good. Yeah, it's funny. Anytime, like I don't love to do like food sessions anymore with people, but anytime someone's like, can we just hop on a call? I'm feeling so lost. I don't mention food the entire time. Yeah. It's not about the food. it's never about the food. It's not about the food. And I do want to say something that's really cool as a generator, something that Jenna said years ago, when the first time that we met, she said, you could, she said, the thing about you with food is you could sit. And as long as you light a candle as you're eating that like burger from in and out 
you can eat that and it'll be digested so beautifully and taken into your body because of the way that your body's made up. Like it doesn't really matter what you're eating as long as there's an intention connected to it. And I was like, that is so true. It's so free. Because I could eat a huge, beautiful salad that's a quote unquote perfect lunch. Right. It's gluten-free and dairy-free and vegan and all the things. But if I just like smash it and I'm not connected to it intuitively, or if right. I don't light a candle in my mind, even if I don't, if there's not an intention there and I'm not paying attention, I'll get a stomach ache. Yeah. Because I'm not connected to it. As soon as I connect to it, I'm like, wow, this burger is going to fuel me from the inside out and I need it right now. I'm bleeding. I'm on my period. Whatever it is, the minute I connect to the why, it doesn't matter. I love that. I feel like it's so empowering for people to know their human design and the way that they eat Mm -hmm. and Jenna's courses and things. Like I've learned so much. Me too. With my human design, what she taught me was eating alone Mm. is how I digest the best. Oh, for sure. And so even if I get the opportunity to eat without Jonathan, I'm like so happy because I'll just bring my food into the bath and I'll eat and I'll light a candle and like the simplicity is big for me with food, with human design. So like a simple meal by myself is heaven. Yeah. Yeah. And knowing that about you is intuitive. Exactly. And if Jenna were to tell you, you should do such and such, and it doesn't vibrate with you, that's part of your intuition too, is knowing that the Jenna's of the world or me with intuitive eating or what it's, it's not an end all be all. It's, more information that you get to gather. Figure out what your moon sign is and your sun sign. And what does that mean about the way that you live in the world and show up in the world? And it's great to know your human design. And um, I just did this really cool thing. I'll try and remember what it's called. So I just did a really cool session while I was traveling in Tulum. It's called the Gene Key. Amazing. And um, same idea. Like it's all information. That one has a lot to do with like wounds that you're born with right, and things you should be healing and things like that. But again, like it's all relative. It is. Someone reached out to me and told me my whole gene key profile. Oh. I don't know if it's we a should compare or what we yeah. should. I would have to find it's, I would have he to says, do it again. He, he looks at it as like human design on crack. Right. He's like, it's even it was more. very ev- interesting when they told me what it was. It was someone who follows me. If you're listening, you, you should tell me again. Cause I want to see it again. But, um, it was so spot on. Yeah. It's like, your emotions and your emotional wounds, yep. how you approach the world. Yep. We're probably butchering it. We can talk all about this on a different episode because yeah, it's the, really interesting. Yeah, but the point is, is like, see the tarot card readers, see the, see the intuitive coaches that help you. But at the end of the day, all of this stuff is just knowledge to get to know yourself better. And the more time you spend alone and the more time you spend stretching your growth edges and doing things that terrify you, like getting lost in a foreign country, right. going to a new restaurant, discovering something new about yourself, about the world, about that local person. Those are the moments of just those challenges break you open and give you an opportunity of so much growth and so much beauty. And that's really what life is about. And also being sensitive to like where you're at in your journey. You know, it's, you don't have to go to like A to Z. You don't have to go that far. You don't have to go like immediately to like zero to a hundred. You can just get lost in your own city. So that pertains to intuitive eating, intuitive movement. Just being a more intuitive person is that kind of practice of getting lost. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. I love that so much. Yeah. So I found a lot of freedom. Um, I struggled through 
most of my 20s, I had no concept living in a small town in Maryland of like what like Hollywood was or skinny or fat. Like I just knew that I was fit. I was an athlete. I played soccer. I was a cheerleader professionally. And like we did comp- competitions and I was always playing with my brother outside. And like, I was just active, but being so far removed from like the Hollywood culture and not having like people magazine to compare it to, or I just didn't have an awareness. And that was a really naive, beautiful thing. Then I moved to LA. I went to college at UCLA and like surrounded by insecure 20 year olds, you know, like there's nothing else. It's almost impossible to avoid becoming self-conscious. So I was like, oh, I'm a little chubby or I'm a little this, or I need to, oh, they're controlling the way they eat. Maybe I should control the way I eat. And so you just kind of feed into each other and you're in a discovery place. I feel like the 20, your twenties are just like, you're just discovering who you are. So I think it's all good. Don't be hard on yourself. Don't judge yourself if you've gone through, if you're going through right now an eating disordered type of thing, something that seems unhealthy. We've all been there on different, you know, no, I wasn't, you know, starving myself. No, I wasn't bulimic, but like, just because there's not a label for it, I was very unhealthy. I was trying to control what I was eating. I wasn't listening to what my body actually wanted. I would get hunger cues. I would ignore it because I was trying to starve myself. Then I'd be starving. So then I would binge eat. Then I would punish myself the next day by working out hard. Like that whole thing is just so hard on the body. And then you, every time that you ignore those cues, every time that you ignore your intuition, you're telling it to get quieter and quieter. And then you just can't hear it anymore. Right. You just can't hear it anymore. So then you have to get lost. You have to find yourself again. And that might be six months or six years of getting lost in your eating disorder until you pull yourself out. Mm-hmm. The only thing that pulled me out of my dysfunctions were me. And getting help. And asking for, you know, there's a place for all of the healers. And there's a place for you just getting quiet and being like, I need to pull myself out of this. And here's what I need to do. So true. Yeah, that's huge. I love that approach and very, sounds very familiar. <laughs> I've very much been there and how beautiful to grow up away from all of that. Like having grown up in California, I just don't even know what that would be like. Yeah, yeah. So that's great yeah. that you had yeah, that in beautiful. your childhood for sure. And I think like living in LA now, my kids are in the industry. We're in the industry. Like, sure, they're, they're going to be around that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm it's a choice and it's a choice in the way that I raise them. They also, on the flip side, the opposite end of the spectrum, go to a Waldorf school where they're in nature all day. Yes. They can't be on technology. They're not allowed to wear labels or logos or any brands. Same type of school that I went to yeah. that my future kids will go to. And it so. helps balance the world and the craziness. Yeah. And not all, not all Hollywood is bad. Not all like looking at magazines is bad. It's your, it's the you behind it. And let's talk about filters in a second because I think that's a good segue. But I think like if you can read Vogue magazine or you can read People magazine or fuck, if you can read OK or one of those and just hold on to your own, just like I have a scale in my bathroom now. I can't tell you the last time I stepped on it. I'll be like, oh, I should weigh myself. I wonder. And then I just forget because I just don't care. The amount of desserts in my house, there are like straight up Oreos in my house. 10 years ago, I would have binged the shit out of those Oreos. Mm -hmm. Now I don't even remember they're there. I'm like, oh, you bought the, huh? If I want them, I will eat them, but I'm not, it's, 
it's a just totally different It's a beautiful place to be. It's a totally different heartbeat. Absolutely. Same thing goes for reading those magazines. Like, no, I'm not going to spend my dollars on OK Magazine. I'm not. But it's my responsibility to own my response and my reaction to the thing. Right. To the magazine, to the models that I'm friends with or not friends with or on set with, to... TV shows with like hot girl, whatever, to um, a scale being in my bathroom, to, you know, crappy foods, quote unquote, being in my kitchen. All of that, like my triggers and my, like, I want to be leaning into those triggers constantly to heal. Yes. You know, and just like, you know, we'll talk about it later, but when it comes to radical transparency in relationships, it's the same thing. It's Mm -hmm. not comfortable. Mm -hmm. I don't like leaning into triggers. But now I know on the other side of that is so much growth and I'll be a less frightened person. I'll walk around in the world with less fears. I can walk into any situation now, any restaurant, any dinner party, any house that I hold on to my own because food is not the enemy. It's me. For sure. Right? I love that we're talking about this because you have such a unique approach, such a Sophie approach that has taught me so much and just Mm -hmm. knowing you because you're able to do, well, you teach others as well as you live this way that you can, um, how do I put this? I need to think of the right way to do it. I think, okay, here's a good example of what I'm trying to say. When I stopped drinking alcohol and then you kind of spoke with me about the approach of like, you can drink alcohol or not drink alcohol. It's not about that. You can also consciously drink alcohol and it doesn't, it's, it doesn't have to be this poison type of thing. It doesn't have to define you. So that's what I mean. So yeah. alcohol or not, put that in any situation. Any situation. And that's how you live. Yeah. And I love that about you yeah. so much. And you know why? Thank you for saying that. I love you so much. I, I don't like the feeling of not something being more in control than me. Right. Whether it be alcohol, drugs, a scale. I don't want something to have more power than me. Why are those Oreo cookies looking at me like that? Like, I don't want (laughs) you to look at me like the the pressure. It's glaring at me through the cabinet. Like the fact that a box of dead Oreos can have that power over me is fucked. (laughs) Dead Oreos. Dead Oreos. It's true. Well, yes. And that's why like (laughs) And even at something as powerful as cocaine, drugs, whatever your thing of choice is. And that has helped me a lot, I have to say, because I haven't drank in a couple of years, mostly because of Lyme, but also because I don't even want to. But because of conversations that you and I have had, um, I don't think of it so black and white. It's more free. If you had a glass of wine in your hand right now and I wanted some, I would take a sip. And so that's just a beautiful way to approach life. And like Jonathan said, when he popped into the room a few minutes ago and he was like, talk about drugs. (laughs) We, yeah, you and I both love our psychedelics. Yes. And before we talk about the filter thing, yeah. which I'm excited about, yeah, let's just quickly touch on psychedelics yeah. and like yeah. conscious use of mind altering substances. Absolutely, because that's so. The best. My husband, first of all, if you don't um, follow our work, we have a podcast called Ignited, and Adi works with clients to help them recover from whatever it is that they're addicted to. So he works on with everything from sex addicts to quote unquote, to drug addicts, to alcoholics, to whatever it is that you classify your drug of choice to be, whether it be shopping, gambling, right? There's plenty of things we can be addicted to controlling, um, including food. He works with food addicts and he wants to erase the way that we look at that. And I've gotten a lot of 
you know, that's my own intuitive kind of juices that I've shared with you in terms of like, I don't want that thing to run my life, but he has a very similar mindset in like this moderation and, and being, you know, yes, being more intuitive. He doesn't call it that, but it's a very moderate way of being like his clients will say like, so when I, when can I drink again? And he's like, you can drink again the minute you stop asking me when you can drink again. Mm -hmm. I like that. Yeah. It's not, it's, like I said, I walk by the scale and I'm like, oh, I should weigh myself. And then I just forget. Right. I walk by the Oreos and they're there and now they're moldy because I just forgot. It just right. doesn't light me up or I can crumble it on some ice cream and no big deal. It's not, I'm not, it's not going to run my life. Exactly. Same with drugs, same with alcohol, same with anything. So when Adi and I met, we had been through, well, I'll put it this way. A few years after we met, we had already been through cheating lies, betrayal. I came out of a five-year abusive relationship with my ex-boyfriend. We were pretty much like rocked. Like we had a terrible foundation and he had already been to jail for drug addiction. He sold drugs. He went to, he didn't go to jail for drug addiction. He went to jail for being a drug dealer and also was addicted to drugs. And, you know, the only reason that he got out with 13 felony counts is because his family has money not even that much, but his dad was a doctor in New York when he was alive and he's white. That's the only reason he's out because if, if a black man would have 13 felony counts, including having a gun, he would have been in a lot longer. Mm -hmm. So, so blessed and lucky. And we know we don't take a minute for that for, for granted, which is why a D life purpose yeah. is to help people yeah. because he knows he's been given a second chance. So when I met him, I fell in love with that light and that I didn't know what it was, but I was like, holy shit, this guy is like on a mission. And I could tell just by sitting next to me, like he was giving off this vibrant energy. Yeah. And I'm the type of person I wake up in the day and I just open the curtains and I'm so excited for life for the most part. Yes. And so when I met him, I was like, wow, he's even more like alive than I am. He's even more. And then I, Two months later, he told me his whole story and was like, I was in jail. I went to jail for a year. All of this stuff happened. Um, my life's purpose now, he was going back to school to get his PhD in neuroscience so he could help addicts and change the way the addiction system works. So for him now, he had a rehab for five years in Beverly Hills called Alternatives. He was helping people outpatient, you know, thousands of dollars, um, like tens of thousands a week to help them because that's how much inpatient or outpatient rehab is. Mm -hmm. And he didn't like that. It was just like revolving door, so expensive, unattainable for most people. So now he started an online ignited as his platform. Basically we have a podcast called ignited, but he also has this entire recovery platform made for ignited heroes who get over this thing, whatever it is, fill in the blank, right? Scale, food, uh, shopping, gambling, whatever it is, drugs. And again, coming back to that principle of like the thing, the substance is not the enemy. Nothing is inherently bad or good, just like food. Nothing mm -hmm. is bad or good. It's the energy we attach to it. And that attachment is what can get heavy, murky, too strong, too powerful, but it's what we attach to it in exactly. our own bodies. It's the triggers that we create the response for. Like if you put like, you know, if you brought Molly MDMA out here right now, I would have a visceral response because I have a very positive association with it. So if you put two pills sitting here and we started talking about MDMA, I would have a visceral response. Yes. Just as a cokehead would have the same thing if you put a pile of coke there, just as if you put a bottle of tequila ice cold on the counter and like 
someone hasn't had alcohol in 20 years and like they were, you know, it's totally. like these visceral. So we create these attachments and what Adi and I both love to do as hard as it can be is lean into those triggers, lean into that box of Oreos being there. Maybe first it's in a locked box in the kitchen and then it's in a, in the refrigerator with like, it's tied up. And then it's like, you know, and then it's on the counter and you're just like, there they are. They don't run me. They don't run my life. So really figuring out like what in life could I have more balance with? And, and then going from there. And I think when Adi and I met, we were both searching for something. He was searching for a new life and wanted to help people. And I was searching for my life partner and I wanted to really have the first healthy relationship that I had really had in terms of with a man. Um, And so we were each other's, we had, it was like a science experiment. It was like all of the learning and the growth that we ever needed was in those first few years. And we had that cheating to go on and we realized that we had to be radically transparent. And one thing that we had to do, well, all right, let me rephrase that. Say it. We had to. 